Bible. And um, it's going to give us a really cool glimpse of what the afterlife with Jesus is going to look like. Um, so the text is out of Revelation, and it's uh, chapter 21, verses 1 through 8, and then also verses 22 through 27. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain any more, for the former things have passed away. And he who is seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. He also said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give them the spring of water of life, and without excuse me, I will give them the spring of the water of life without payment. The one who conquers will have this heritage, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. But, for, but as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for the murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is in a second death. And I saw no temple in the city, for its temple is the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb. And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of the Lord gives its light, and its lamp is the Lamb. By its light will the nations walk, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. And, and its gates will never be shut by day, and there will be no night there. They will bring into it the glory and the honor of the nations. But nothing unclean will ever enter it, nor anyone who does what is detestable or false, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. This is the word of the Lord. So we've been studying the book of Revelation this semester, and we've seen as we've looked at Revelation that what Revelation does is it reveals things about the world and about ourselves to us that we can't see. That's what the name of the book actually means, the revelation of Jesus Christ. It's revealing Jesus to us. And um, one of the things that we can't see, of course, is how things are going to work out in the future. Okay? Some people think the book of Revelation is all about the future. That's not true. But the end of the book of Revelation is all about what is it going to be like in the end? When we cross over to the other side in the afterlife, what is that world going to be like? And does it matter for you right now? Um, and so what we're going to do tonight and next week is really focus on what is going to happen in the end. What's it going to be like in the afterlife after Jesus comes back and this world is over? Literally at the end of time, what's it going to be like? And uh, what I want to do tonight is look at what the afterlife is not and what it is and what's the best part of the afterlife, okay? Um, the, first, what the afterlife isn't. The reason why I decided to, to look at what the afterlife is not is because I started looking at these random polls of, like, what American people believe about heaven and, like, the afterlife, and I thought I, we should probably... Um, clear up some misconceptions. Um, I'm going to throw some polling at you, which you just thought polling is over. <laughs> Yet here we are, Wednesday, more polling. I think this may be a little bit more accurate than some recent polling that we've been aware of. Um, okay. Um, 
72% of Americans believe in heaven. 82% of religiously affiliated Americans believe in heaven. In a 2005 ABC poll, they asked people who believed in heaven, um, whether that's a place that people exist spiritually or physically, okay? When people are in heaven, when they go to heaven in the afterlife, are people spiritual or are they physical? 78% of people said that people only exist in heaven spiritually. 8% said physically, and 9% said both, okay? So, so far we know that most American people believe in heaven. The vast majority of them think it's just a spiritual realm. A 2006 Harvard study showed that 84% of Americans who believe in life after death believe that a person, as long as they are good, no matter what they believe, no matter what their faith or religion or whatever, as long as they're good, they will get to heaven. 84% of people believe that. And in the 2014 poll on CBS News, 82% of people thought they would be in heaven. Okay? Um, so, 2% thought they were going to hell. Uh, <laughs> Which strikes me as high, to be totally honest. 2% was like, yeah, I'm going to hell. Um, 9% said neither, 7% didn't know. So basically what all those numbers say, and the reason I quote them, is this. The vast, vast, vast majority of American people, including the people in this room, think that heaven is a real place that is a purely spiritual realm, and that as long as you're good, no matter what you believe, you will go there, and um, that you're probably going to go there too. Okay? Basically, most Americans believe in Star Wars heaven. So you know like that scene where it's like, I can't remember, it's probably in Return of the Jedi, that sounds right. Um, where it's like Obi-Wan is there, even though he's died, spoiler, Obi-Wan Kenobi dies. It's from the, seven, it's from the 70s. Um, and Yoda is there, right? And then they like, don't they add in like Anakin and like the later one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Boo. But... They're like these shining, shimmering, like blue, like sort of spiritual, ethereal guys. And it's like the good guys, right? Um, that's what most of us believe about heaven and about the afterlife. Now, there is some confusion because, according to the scripture, when you die and before Jesus comes back, okay? So if you die... And before Jesus comes back, your body and your soul are separated, okay? Your body lays in the ground, and your soul goes to be with God the Father, right? But that is a very unnatural, temporary state. Human beings are like Oreos, okay? Oreo, they're delicious. Um, little crunchy um, in the best way. Uh, an Oreo has two component parts, cookie and cream, right? Um, you may separate the cookie and the cream, right? But that puts the, the Oreo in an unnatural state, right, if you're that person that eats the cream first. But eventually they're reunited, right, in your belly, okay? Human beings are made of two parts, a body and a soul. <clears throat> when you die, there's a temporary um, something we call the intermediate state where they're separated, but that's not forever. But listen, the problem with this vision of like the ethereal world, you see it like people riding on clouds or just sort of floating along. Um, it, besides the fact that the scripture doesn't teach that that's true, the big problem with that is that it literally has nothing to do with your life right now. If that's like where we are headed, it's like, okay, 
like that would maybe be preferable to like the lake of fire um, or like might be nice one day, but it's hardly enough. Like that vision of the future is definitely not enough to make you say, um, like fill you with hope for the future or to make you lay down your life for another person or put your, another person's needs ahead of your own needs or to like battle an addiction that's giving you something that you want. Like that vision of the future does not help you in any of those ways. It actually has no bearing on your life now whatsoever. But thankfully, the book of Revelation, by God's grace, gives us a better picture of what the afterlife is like. And so what is the afterlife like? First off, from this passage, the afterlife is supremely physical. It is an ultra-physical place. Okay, look at look in the first verse on the passage on your handout. If you don't have a Bible, we have some in the back and you could um, just grab one of those without asking. Uh, it says, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Um, the first thing that, that John says when he talks about the afterlife here is that there is a new heaven and a new earth. Um, when Jesus comes back at the end of things to set the whole world to right, He gets rid of the current heaven and the current earth, and he brings in a new earth. So that means that if you're a believer in Jesus, for eternity, you will not live in heaven. For eternity, you will live on the earth. And it's an earth just like this one. Um, 1 Corinthians 15 says, For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable And this mortal body must put on immortality. What's going to happen is this physical world that we live in is going to be changed, restored in a new way, and will put on immortality. So that means that rocks and trees and mountains and streams and food and friends and people and love, all these things will continue to exist in the world. And you will live in a physical world as a physical person with a physical body. Okay? The new world will be physical, but it will be different in one very meaningful way. And this is what we're going to spend the rest of our time basically unpacking. The new earth will be restored. Look at verse 4. God says, or John says, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. Everything beautiful and lovely and amazing about God's world and his creation will continue in the afterlife, but without any of the brokenness or the dirtiness of sin. When I was probably seven years old, I had reached a milestone moment in my life, which it was just me and my mom. Me and my mom, uh, that was our family, uh, single mom, only child. And we, I grew up near Macon, Georgia where you've all been. And um, my mom and I, of course, used to go to the Macon Mall before it became the Bad Mall. And uh, she always ate at Wendy's in the mall, and she always got my food for me. But when I was seven, she gave me money, and she said, you can go get your own food in the, in the Macon Mall food court. It was, it was a masterful moment in my life. I still remember it for reasons you'll find out in, in the moment. And so I took the $10 bill, and I went to the Great Steak and Potato Company. Is this still a thing that exists? Yes, yes it is. Oh, absolutely. You say, yeah, yeah, of course. Like, everybody eats there all the time. Um, 
I went to the Great Steak and Potato Company, I think because it seemed like the most adult place to eat in the food court. Because like, who eats potatoes? Um, and so I went and I ordered a, a loaded potato with cheese, you know, and, and, and like some kind of beef like in there, and a, and a cherry Coke, fountain Coke, the fries. It was great, I paid. And, and I took my tray, and I turned around. My mom was sitting there with her uh, number one lettuce, tomato, pickle only, um, Dr. Pepper. And I went to walk to my mom, and about halfway there, I tripped and stumbled a little bit. And the tray got sideways, and my potato, the fries, and the cherry Coke just went all over the make a mall food court floor. Just, and it was like one of those epic, like, it like flipped over like this, and it smashed onto the floor. My delicious loaded potato was destroyed to bits. The fries were everywhere. The cherry coke smashed and then mingled with things it should not mingle with. My meal was destroyed and it was defiled. It's not like I could have just have gotten it back up off the Macon Mall food court floor. Um, that's not the floor that you want to eat off of, just FYI. That is us and the world that we live in. A beautiful, um, amazing, life-changing thing that has become broken and destroyed and defiled. Okay, broken and and defiled. But look at God's promises in verse 5. This is what's amazing here. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. I mean, even if that was just our text for tonight, is God saying, I'm making all things new. That's amazing. A man came out as I, I literally just broke down. I mean, as some of you did at like 2 a.m. last night. And, uh, and, and I, I was a mess because this was my moment of like being, becoming a, a seven-year-old man. That's a rite of passage for all young men is getting your own food at the food court. And, um, but the manager of the Great Second Potato Company, seeing my, my estate that I'd fallen into, he got me a new loaded potato fries, cherry cookie, brought it out. He made it literally new. The old one was passed away. And and he brought me a a new one. It was beautiful, right? God is making all things new and undoing the brokenness of the world. But also look at verse 27 at the very bottom of the sheet. But nothing unclean will ever enter. When when he's saying enter, he means the the city of God, God's place, heaven, the afterlife, the, the new earth. Nothing unclean will ever enter it, nor anyone who does what is detestable or false. Nothing unclean will come into God's new world. There is zero chance of it going badly um, forever. What awaits God's people is the earth made perfect. The physical world that you live in is good. God made it very, very good. It's beautiful, and it's what God wants for you. I don't know how you feel about your body or the world that you live in, but God made it good and beautiful. Food, bodies, music, drink, art, sports, dancing, they're all good. Very, very good. And they are, if you're wondering what God's will for your life is, it's to be a physical person living in a physical world. But in the new heaven and new earth, everything will work properly. Work the way that it's supposed to work. One plus one will always equal two. Um, you will never have to settle for just doing something mediocre because no one 
can recognize that your gifts or you don't have the opportunity to use your gifts. You will always get to use your gifts to their full potential because you'll work like you're supposed to work. The world will not be broken in the future. All the beauties of life in the physical world will be there with nothing to diminish your full enjoyment of it. Nothing outside of you that will diminish your full enjoyment of it and nothing inside of you that will diminish your full enjoyment of the world. Um, Notice the list of people that won't be there in verse 8. It says, But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. Um, That, just sidebar, verse is really helpful if you get like a Craigslist spammer. This is what I do literally every time. When I, when I put like a bike for sale on Craigslist and then someone emails me and they say, I would love the bike, just fill out this form with like your social security number and, and, and like your bank account number and I will wire you twice the amount you're asking. I literally write them back and I say, liars go to hell, Revelation 21a. Uh, and I feel like that's doing my job as a, as a minister. Um, what John is not saying is this. John is not saying only people who have never done these things will be in, in God's afterlife, okay, in, in God's heaven. He's not saying that, that there is, a, if you've ever lied, if you've ever been sexually immoral, that, that it's not for you. You're going to be on the outside. Um, if you're looking in your Bible and you can see the next chapter of Revelation 22, verse 14, John says, Blessed are those who wash their robes so that they may have a right to the tree of life and may enter the city by its gates. Revelation 7 talks about the people of God coming and dipping their robes and cleaning them in the blood of the Lamb. There's only one kind of person in heaven. And it's not good people. It's actually cowardly, faithless, detestable, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and liars who have washed their robes in the blood of the Lamb. It's people who have been sinners, who have been cleansed from their sin by Jesus. And the thing that would keep you inside from enjoying Jesus and enjoying the world is removed from you because it's literally cleansed from you. And if you don't dip your robes, you don't get to come in. But if you want to come in, all you have to do is be washed, is allow Jesus to cleanse you, to let Jesus make you clean, even tonight. In the new earth, the defilement of sin will be cleansed. So here's what that means for you. Your desires inside of you somewhere in a place that you don't know where they are will always line up perfectly with what is good and beautiful and true and godly. Do not let that fly past you. Um, In the new earth, if you are in Jesus, what you want inside in your deepest core will always be what is good and beautiful and right and true and godly. And so what that means is you will be comfortable in your own skin. That you will not feel out of place in your own body. That there will be food without fear and without anxiety attached to it. That you'll just be able to eat for the enjoyment of eating and enjoying God through it and enjoying your neighbor. There will be people, but there won't be comparison or resentment or abuse. 
No eruptions of anger because there will be no injustice in God's glory. No rejection. No suspicion that you're actually just a burden to everyone around you. Um, No sex trafficking. Uh, No date rape. No silent treatment. No families breaking up and you being caught in the middle. No family moving away and you being stuck in the middle. Um, No foster care. No every other weekend. No unfair expectations from your parents. No demands from your parents that you make them look good no matter what. No little girls who aren't as valuable as little boys. Um, No miscarriages. No antidepressants. No one dies. The former things have passed away in God's glory. So what the afterlife is, is it's the earth like you know it, but completely restored. All the brokenness is gone, and all the dirtiness is gone. And it's a place that's completely restored, full of people that are completely restored. Um, And it's beautiful. There's a beautiful theological document that says... That we will be made perfectly blessed in the full enjoying of God to all eternity. That's what eternity is all, all about. That you will made fully ble- be made fully blessed to the full enjoying of God to all eternity. And that's not even the best part. Because this is the best part. The best part about what's waiting on the other side for those that are in Jesus is that you get to be home with God. My counselor, uh, I, I see a counselor, his name is Mike, and he's amazing. He's like the grandpa I wish I always had. And um, we talk about family stuff. You know, if you go to counseling, which you should, because uh, everyone should be in counseling, just to help you figure out what's going on in there. Um, it's good and beautiful and has literally no shame attached to it whatsoever. So you're good. Um, <clears throat> we talk about family a lot. And one time he said something that I literally will never forget. He said, you know, Chris... Um, cause like I said, I come from a family that's a little messed up and, um, <laughs> a little messed up. And, uh, he said, um, you know, when, the way that God made the world is that when you are a little baby and you're in your mama's belly, you have everything you need. It's literally a perfect place for you if you're a baby. <laughs> um, I can think of a perfect Airbnb for you if you're a baby. Um, and, uh, because you're warm, you're safe. You have everything you need, like nutrition-wise, and you have love right there inside your mama's belly. And he said the way that God made it to be is that when you come out of your mama's belly, you, you come from the womb into a home, which is just like the womb, where you're loved and you're warm and you're safe and you have everything you need. And a mom is there to care for you in a way that only a mom can. And a dad is there to care for you in only the way that a dad can. And, like, I think we all, in a sense, resonate with that's how it should be. But some of you guys have had really hard childhoods and have hard family situations. Some of you guys have great families where I'm like, I want to go to your house for Thanksgiving. Um, But all of you know, it doesn't really work out like that. Uh, It just doesn't shake out like that. It can't be like that. It's not the womb. And what's coming in the future is the home that you crave because you have not gotten it in your family. That the longing that you have for that home is actually a beautiful and good thing because it's coming in the future. Look at verse 3. Let's start in verse 2. I saw the holy city. You notice how it's going to be a city? 
It's a place where we all live together. So, you know, just like start learning how to get along with people because it's going to be like a forever thing. Um, and I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man or with people. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. What is so beautifully unique about the Christian message, if you're here tonight and we don't assume that you know where you're at tonight, but what's so beautiful about Christianity isn't that God takes you up to his heaven, but that God brings his heaven down to you because he wants to live with people. <coughs> In the new heaven and new earth, there is no new heaven and new earth. Heaven and earth kiss and become one place where God comes to live with his people. Look at verse 22. And I saw no temple in the city, for its temple is the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb. What's the temple? The temple was the place where you would go if you wanted to be in God's presence, if you wanted to meet with God. But now there's no place to go because the temple is there. That you see God and you interact with God in the most intimate of ways where you stand before him face to face, surrounded by his beauty, his truth, his goodness, and his glory. And nothing is wrong and there's no shame. And you know, I want to be with him and he wants to be with me forever. And that home is safe. Some of you guys don't know, don't, your home doesn't feel safe to you or hasn't been safe to you. Look at verse 25. Um, and its gates will never be shut by day and there will be no night there. God's city has gates, but they don't ever shut because <clears throat> there's nothing threatening to come into it. There's literally nothing to be afraid of. Not like when you tell like a kid, hey, there's nothing to be afraid of. And what you really mean by that is you're not old enough to be told about the things that you really should be afraid of yet. Um, in the new heaven and new earth, there's literally nothing to be afraid of. Can you imagine a home without fear? Fear of what might come. Look, I know it's lonely, especially it's like the first really cold day. It's a little dark and everyone's super lonely. <laughs> especially freshmen, because you're thinking, um, like, does anyone notice me at all? Like, has this all been a waste of time because I came here to get noticed? Um, does it even matter that I'm here? Does, like, will anyone notice if I'm not here? Jesus has gone to prepare a beautiful, <coughs> loving, safe, warm home for you because he wants to live with you forever. Um, one of the happiest days of my life was the day that my wife and I got back from our honeymoon. We, we were living in Savannah, Georgia at the time, and we got back, to, we were living in this small place, and, like, the wedding gifts were there, and, like, we went to bed, and then the next morning we got up and literally, like, played Mario Kart. Because <laughs> we got a Wii for our wedding somehow. And, uh, <clears throat> and, and we played Mario Kart and ate cereal, and we're literally, like, at some point we're like, it's dark. Like, all day, we have been playing Mario Kart on this couch. Um, that is not probably a perfect day any day of the week, okay? So I'm not saying go play Mario Kart in your underwear. I didn't mention it was in the, in the underwear. Uh, and lose track of time playing Mario Kart. What I'm saying is it was perfect because we were just so happy to be living together. Because <coughs> we really wanted to live together with each other. And do you know that God enjoys being with you? Like, he enjoys you. He enjoys being around you. So much so that, that he wants to live with you forever. Um, so much so that 
his son, the Lord Jesus, who is called Emmanuel, which means God with us, left his home and he wandered homeless around the world. And he was finally thrown outside of the gates of the city alone and died so that when he was resurrected, when he came back to life and he had his perfect new resurrection body, that he could take you with him to a forever home with God. (coughs) Revelation was written to people who had a lot of fear for the future. And a lot of you guys have a lot of fear for the future. Suddenly, some of you have a lot of fear for the future. Um, Revelation was written to Christians that because they wouldn't worship the emperor of Rome and take some incense and say, Caesar is Lord, they might be run through with a pole and set up and dipped in tar and lit on fire. Um, Or the, the emperor Domitian would say, oh, you want to be like Jesus? I'll make you like Jesus. And he would crucify them by the hundreds and line the streets in and out of Jerusalem with Christians. They were stressed about the future. Um, are you, I know you're stressed about the future. You're stressed about what's going to happen. Um, what if I don't get the internship? What if I don't find someone before I'm 23 and basically 60? Um, where is the world headed? Where am I headed? And if you're asking any of those questions, God's answer for you tonight is home. You're headed home. That is where this whole thing ends up. Um, And look, that makes all the difference for now. For how you face tomorrow, for how you face next semester, for how you face the next four years, for how you face the next 40 years. It matters that God wants to take you home. That the best is not behind you, but the best in Jesus is always to come. I'm going to bring it down on this. This dude's name was Charles Albert Tinley. Uh, he lived in the late 19th century, early 20th century. He's an African-American guy. His parents were slaves. And um, he felt called to the ministry. So he worked as a janitor, took night classes, and then he did his theological training by correspondence. Just sort of an amazing person. You, you guys are like, my biology lab is so hard. And this dude's like, I'm working all day and then doing like super hard graduate work at night by correspondence. Um, and later on, he became a pastor of the church where he was the janitor, at, which I think is cool. Um, But he wrote the text that would later become We Shall Overcome, which was like the great anthem of the civil rights movement. But he has another song called Beams of Heaven. And he shows us how to live now in the hope for what's going to come. And so I'm just going to read two stanzas of the song for you and pray. Listen to how he compares what's going on right now and fills it with hope about what's going to come. Oftentimes my sky is clear. Joy abounds without a tear. Though a day so bright begun, clouds may hide tomorrow's sun. But there'll be a day that's always bright. A day that never yields to night. And in its light, the streets of glory I shall behold someday. Burdens now may crush me down. Disappointments all around. (coughs) Troubles speak in mournful sigh. Sorrow through a tear-stained eye. But there is a world where pleasure reigns. No mourning soul shall roam its plains, and to that land of peace and glory, I shall want to go someday. That's your home. May God give us eyes to see it now. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you that you um, love us as we are, 
so much so that you want to fix what's broken in us and clean up what is defiled in us. Would you give us eyes to see that even now, that we'd be full of hope tonight and tomorrow. We pray in your name, Jesus. Amen. It's the end of the world.